Welcome to this edition of Bringing Light to the Darkness, a regular podcast by Pastor James Rasmussen and Pastor Robert Dixon, recorded from Oasis Christian Fellowship at Sunridge Village Assistant Living and Memory Care Community Center in Bula City, Arizona, where Pastor James is a resident. They have developed this series of short messages in order to share the journey from within this community and to bring light into the darkness in small and big ways. Before we begin, Pastor James would like to remind the audience of the following. Some books are to be tasted, others swallowed, but there is only one book to be chewed and digested. It is called the B-I-B-L-E, Basic Instruction Before Leaving Earth. Now here is Pastor James and Pastor Robert with this week's episode of Bringing Light to the Darkness. Okay, welcome everybody to another uh, program of Lighting in the Dark. This is Pastor James, and I'm sitting here with my colleague, Robert Dixon. And we're going to discuss, as we noted last time, some suggestions on things that can make the transition easier. A couple of quick points I'd like to make. From now on, we're not going to call it assisted living or nursery home. We're just going to call it caregiving facility because we're not only covering one type, we're covering memory care, assisted living, nursery home, hospital, maybe even elderly living in a home with professional care. So rather than try to remember each time what we're talking about, we're always going to refer to it as nursing facility. Not nursing, caregiver, excuse me, caregiver facility. So here's some things I'd like to go over before Robert and I even decide to uh, start the discussion. And they are some things you should do even before we start searching for a facility. The first thing we're going to talk about today is searching the facility. But before you could do that, and believe me, this would be for your own good, when you get some loved ones that you realize that they're getting to the point that they may need professional caregiving. That is when you should start doing your homework. Because what happens when you wait to the last minute, it's gotten to a point where it's almost an emergency, and many people then end up putting their loved one in the first facility they can get them in. And that's usually what causes some of the feelings of loneliness, abandonment, and not being appreciated because 
it's almost like a surprise to the person that's put in there. And that kind of gives them that feeling, right or wrong. So my suggestion is to write these things down. What kind of care do you expect your facility to provide? You need to know that so that you can know what questions to ask when you start searching for a facility to make sure that you have one you and your loved one are happy with. Also, try to decide ahead of time as much as you can what's available help-wise to your state, because it's different in every state, and through your budget. You need to look at how much you can afford, and if you can't afford much, how much assistance you can get, where you can get it, and how you have to go about it. Because many of these Medicare-assisted uh, assistance, there's a lot of pre-paperwork. And you want to have all that done ahead of time if you can. These are just little tips that will put a heck of a lot less pressure and give you a opportunity to discuss this with your loved one or loved ones before you make the move and let them, if possible, be part of the decision. It will make it a lot easier on them. Now, Rob, let's start looking into prepare, uh, finding a facility. You got any suggestions, Rob? Yes, we need to find a place that is close in proximity to family where we can have a backup of friends or family in case you move or case of emergency. Yeah, and why this is so important, Rob, is that we move, we all move, we're all transit, we're all busy. And to put the load on any one person makes it really, really difficult on the person, and quite difficult actually on the uh, person needing the caregiving. If there's friends, family, a church group, anything where there's someone that in an emergency could get to him within an hour, it is best that you have one or, the, one or more of those available. Also, it's important because you need to check out on the facility a couple times, even before you think of choosing it, without them knowing, so you can audit them and make sure they're doing what they say they're going to do. Because they are a business, and they are in the profession of selling themselves. And sometimes they promise more than they give. Got any other suggestions, Rob? Well, it's important to check thoroughly all possible locations. 
and not trust the brochures. That is so important, Rob, because like I just said, brochures are putting their best foot forward. I'll give you an example in my case. My brochure had a swimming pool and all these beautiful things, yet I've been here seven years and nobody's used the pool. The pictures look nice, but you got to check them out. So you can't just trust them. You need to use either the Internet or your friends or call your local assistance places, even your doctor or your uh, insurance company will probably have suggestions of facilities or where you can find them. Any more, Rob? Well, one thing I have is that the person who lives close by needs to understand that they may need to do what the caregivers cannot, that there are certain things that the resident will need done that care, caregivers cannot provide. Yeah, and these things are simple things like clipping the fingernails, clipping the toenails, fixing whatever computer or technology they have, if it breaks down, it also is important because you do need to do about once a month, not more than that, but about once a month, you need to come in, visit your relative, but also check out the facility. Find out, because us people who are residents, we have a tendency to get narrow-minded, and we want to talk to our loved ones and complain, but it's not always factual, and the loved ones need to listen, not, not argue at that time, but you do come, need to come in once in a while and check out if your loved one is really accurate. Any others, Rob? Well, we have about researching a facility. That is all as far as type and a facility, looking for a facility. Okay, you got any suggestions for that area? Well, it's important to visit the facility at least twice unannounced before you make a decision. And then also check the website. And again, don't trust the brochures. Exactly. In other words, do all due diligence. Because anything you overlook, you're going to have to live with. And the, the more you find what you want and what you can afford, or at least get as much as you want with what you can afford, the less likely there's going to be that feeling of abandonment. Any other ones, Rob? Well, one thing we need to take a look at is the ratio of residents to caregivers in the different areas of the facility. The ratio of the residents to caregivers and perhaps memory care or ratio of residents to caregivers in general. 
Yes, because it doesn't take a mathematician to figure out if they really have enough caregivers to do what they say they're going to do. What I what one that came to my mind, Rob, is we need to ask if they have a registered nurse on facility and what hours that registered nurse is available to the patients, correct? Yes, many times the registered nurses are not there at night, only during the day, and we need to know that. Yeah, because if they're not there at night, and you cut your leg, just a small cut, they won't do anything, and you'll end up having to go to ER just over a small cut because there's no registered nurse available. Now, most brochures, in fact, when I came here, they had two. Now they have none. They have a tendency to let things slide when the budget gets tight. Any other suggestions, Rob? Well, it's important that the activity coordinator is trained in the latest technology so they can help the residents when needed. Yeah, we're not talking about a computer geek, but we we need someone there that at least knows how to hook up an internet, how uh, solve little things that the residents can't figure out because we're not as familiar and natural with new technology as most people. So someone on staff to be able to do that is a phenomenal asset to any facility and any resident. Hey, Rob, anything else? Well, I have that we need to make sure what their visiting policies are when you can and cannot visit. Exactly. That's a good suggestion, Rob, because you don't want to come all the way to the facility and find out the doors are locked or you take your family member out or when you get back, they can't get back in. So we have to, it's very good to check that out. Anything else, Rob? You're doing a great job. Well, we need to know the policies on contacting family members when things happen, not just the emergencies, but when different little things happen, how is the family contacted? That is so important. I actually had an accident in my car and I had to go to ER and get stitches. And my facility, all they did was call and left a message. My son had no way of knowing that I was in the hospital by the message. He would just call back. And that's not an acceptable uh, policy in a semi-emergency situation. So you need to make it very clear that you expect to be contacted anytime your family has anything happened to them medically. Is that it, Rob, or we have another one? We have one here of make sure they have a physical therapist on site. 
That is so important. Elderly people atrophy. And the only way you can keep them from losing their strength and their mobility is to have a therapist work with them and force them to use muscles that it might hurt a little bit to use. But if you stop losing them, you'll lose them. Also, I'm thinking that make sure that you buy a cell phone or some kind of phone and you train your elderly and you work with your elderly before you ever put them in a facility. And that is going to be more than just show them how to do it and hand it to them. Us elderly are slow at learning. So we need to be shown and then practice and then be shown again in a little while and then practice until it becomes automatic. Otherwise, the cell phone doesn't any no good as a communications device if the elderly is afraid to use it. Is that everything under researching the facility, Rob? Uh, we have just a, just three more. Okay. One, one is that they make sure they have a worship site, such as a chapel, or they have worship services for the clients. Yeah, in other words, those who believe need to have a place where they can gather and, and fulfill their needs for spiritual behavior and support. That's, and it would be good if they had a Christian type, a Jewish type, even a, a, a Muslim or Catholic, so that the resident who can't always go outside has a place where they can worship. Go ahead, Rob. Okay, one important thing we have that we don't think about a lot is find out how often the menu changes, and you might ask them the, how dry their chicken is. <laughs> yeah, uh, caregiver facilities are just like hospitals. They take a needle and suck all the moisture out of their chicken. But the main thing, reason we're saying that, Menus tend to change only about once every two or three months. And by that, I mean they'll have the same thing on Monday, the same thing on Tuesday, the same thing on Wednesday. Not, you know, every Wednesday they'll have this like that. And it stays that way for months. And that really takes away the ability for residents to look forward to mealtime, which is one of the few pleasures that they still have. You said you had one more, Robert? Well, you know, last but not least is one of the most important things we don't always think of, but we really need to do, and that is have a lawyer read the lease agreement. I know, and that may cost a little money, but let me tell you, I have made the mistake of signing off a paper that they show me 
And they tell me, oh, we're going to just do this and that. And then later on, they charge me for something. I won't do it. And they'll tell me I signed for it. Well, being blind, I made the mistake of trusting them. There's a lot of fine print in those documents. And you don't want to wait until you have a problem to know the whole document. And any changes, I suggest that you have your resident family have you sign it, not them, so that you can read it over and make sure there's no hidden changes. Now, it might cost you a little money to have the lawyer look at it, but one incident is more expensive than what that would cost. Now, Rob, I think we've covered, if I'm correct, finding a facility and researching a facility. That's correct. I think that's enough for today. We will uh, cover the other two areas of getting ready and other details that need to be talked about in our next podcast. So, Rob, thank you so much. Everybody, thank you for tuning in at night into the dark. And we all hope to see you or listen to you or talk to you in the near future. That was another edition of Bringing Light to the Darkness, a regular ministry of Oasis Christian Fellowship. We thank you for listening and look forward to further opportunity to bring light into the darkness. As a reminder, if you wish for questions, comments, or prayer requests via email at lighttheway at email.com. L-I-G-H-T-T-H-E W-A-Y at email.com. 